0: Welcome to WITCH, the women in technology creative industries hub, elevating the voices of women in tech. My name is Bishi, the founder of WITCH. In this podcast, I'll be talking to a woman in tech about her work, journey, life and process. In this episode, I'll be talking to contemporary artist and musician Violetta Vici about her approach to music and live streaming during lockdown. Please do like, review and subscribe. We're a new podcast and every bit of support helps. Hello and welcome to Creative Women in Tech. Virlita Vici, how are you doing today?
1: Hi, I'm I'm really well and thank you for having me Vici. It's wonderful to be here talking to you about this.
0: Yeah well what was really lovely about this interview is you messaged me after I launched the last series of people like Anna Meredith involved and it's always really lovely when people approach you know like people just reach out and that's Mm -hmm. one of the magic bits of being a musician or being an artist on social media um, yes. is the fact that we have so much more connectivity to each other, mm-hmm. which I think is a really, really great thing. Can you tell me
1: where did your journey with music begin Well um, it began when i was when I was three and a half years old i out of the blue i mean i, I came from a, I come from a family that listens to a lot of music at home, a lot of classical music actually so i was I was born hearing classical music around me. But there was never a sense of forcing me to learn an instrument or even doing anything. Just that was around me. And I was encouraged to participate in, in that experience. And when I was three and a half years old, I, I started saying, I want to play the violin. I really want to play the violin. They all thought, my parents thought, well, that's a little fad. She'll get over it. She's still very young. We don't want her to start so young. And I just didn't stop. <laughs> I don't know where I heard it where it came where i came across the fact that i just was obsessed with that violin and um they they gave me one as a present and i still remember it being a bit too big for me because they they come in all different sizes but i was really really small and even the smallest one they had at the shop was too big and i still remember when i got it on my birthday my fourth birthday and and was and the teacher said no it's too big for you (laughs) and i had to wait for another three months before I could get the really tiny a thirty second size i think it is it's it's like if you take a violin that's the normal size and then um divide it by 30, 32, two that is what you get almost i mean it's really it's like a toy violin, and um yeah um that i, I started playing it and i and i I never looked back I always said i want to become funnily enough, I said, i want to become an opera singer or a violinist, so I wanted to become both things and um and I just carried on with violin lessons my parents always encouraged me so I was I was always encouraged to to study music and um and they've always supported me as well which has been amazing that's really fantastic news
0: and really inspiring that you had that clarity of vision so young (laughs) and there's no explanation of where that might have come from (laughs) apart from the fact that you made that decision yeah that's that's really wonderful. What were the first pieces of music to really make a big impact on you? So they can be things that you played
1: or things that you listened to. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I would say the Magic Flute by Mozart because it's it's just, oh, it's, it's wonderful. But I also had a very um, interesting experience. Again, I was four and a half years old and my dad took me to see... I loved Mozart. I always said I loved Mozart. I just, whenever I heard it in the house, I would be very happy and light up. So then they thought, well, maybe she's a bit young, but let's try. And he took me to the film, um, um, Bergman's film of the opera. So he filmed an opera and it's in Swedish. It's, com- it's completely in Swedish. And um, it's the whole opera, which I think I'm not sure how long it is but it's it's pretty long for a four-year-old to go and see and there was a there was an interval so he took me to the opera I didn't understand a word and in the interval I went can we stay can we please stay can we stay for the second half and my, my dad had to ring home say I don't she she wants to stay and um then for my birthday my fifth birthday I wanted the score for Mozart's <laughs> magic flute and learned the the main aria of the queen of the night Amazing. <laughs> and sung it with my grandma on the piano and my parents they never had a video camera so I regret not having any footage from me singing <laughs> that because I would really like to know if I was as 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 good as I thought I was in the moment or <laughs> what it was but I was just so inspired by that music and yeah, I just, that was definitely my <laughs> biggest inspiration when I was a child.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when I was at primary school, we had a really camp music teacher who used to play us classical music and then we'd have to draw or we'd have to make something up or do some kind of movement and perform it to the class. But yes. the, these things, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's like visual art and performance art, but for children. And that's completely remained this really big thing for me. So, you know, yeah, I mean, these things affect us for the rest of our lives. Um, yeah.
1: So when did you move to London? I moved to London, It's it's been a while now. It's been about 15 years now, Yeah. I'd say. So um, I've literally spent all my adult life in, in London and I, I came because I wanted to study at the Royal Academy of Music. And so I had that in mind as the end and all um, incredible university for music. And I, you know, I practiced the violin um, with, you know, just in a very traditional way. I prepared myself for these auditions. And and then the first time I did the audition, I actually didn't get in. I was too nervous. There was so much pressure in these institutions. Yeah. And I, I faltered under the pressure and... I was so nervous I couldn't even play a note because I was just trembling. And I didn't get in. And I almost said, oh, I'm going to go somewhere else then. But I thought, no, that's been my dream since I was seven years old. I, I wrote it in my diary. I want to live in London. I want to play the violin. I want to have a dog. I don't have a dog (laughs) and I don't think I'm going to have one anytime soon. It's too much of a commitment in in regards to traveling even when, when, if, and when touring comes back. (laughs) But um, so, so it was still a dream. And I thought, I don't want to give up on that dream. So I tried again the year after and then got into said, okay, don't just try one of them, try the rest as well. The Royal College of Music and Royal Academy and, and i and i I got into them all and could choose, and that was just I still remember how incredible it was to to do that, but then I must say, as much as I learned from it, um I was pretty disappointed in a way with the outcome because those institutions are i think they 're now changing adapt and adapting, but it was feels like you 're stepping into an old fashioned institution that doesn't really prepare you for real life as a musician they don't open your horizons as much to being an artist as they should and I I'm speaking from having been there say 10 years ago so someone that's there now it's probably a very different scenario I think they have had to adapt but at that point I if you didn't fit fit into a mold if you didn't fit into a violinist that wants to become an orchestral player or is extremely exceptional, stands out and gets the best grades and therefore could potentially become a soloist, there were these two roots. That's it. There wasn't anything else in between. Yeah. And and there was just, I I don't want to diss classical music. It's been my inspiration all my life. It's something that I want to push into the future and just really, I use it within my concerts and when, when I do, it's part of me and I'm very proud of it. I think it should be, you know, it shouldn't be looked at as something old fashioned, but there needs to be a, a way to make it more um, experimental, more creative and, and open the world to music students that have all this talent and creativity to be able to explore with electronics, with with all these different worlds that I had no idea up until recently. I did up until a few years ago. I didn't know who Daphne Oram was. I, I had yeah. never heard of her yeah. I'd never heard of any of these pioneer women or men I mean even the orb the this this electronic group yeah. in the 70s which I've I've now collaborated with but i oh, amazing you know, I I never knew about them I never knew that that you could experiment with music yeah. when it you know in such a way that was very that was it's basically an art form and yeah. I only seen classical music as the art yeah. form and become yeah. quite how do you say a bit um when you just think that classical music is the best thing there out there and nothing else compares and yeah. it's less good. Like you suddenly look down on popular culture, on all these great bands and artists from the twentieth century that have achieved so much. I mean when I when my world got open to Portishead, head to yeah. listening to so many different sounds and then, and then looking at the Beatles even, and going, they are such an inspiration, and yeah, uh, and just taking all of this into consideration when you make art, and yeah, not totally. Writing, so, yeah, no, I mean, I
0: was. I was rejected from the Royal, was it the Royal College or the Royal Academy? I can't remember. But I got, <laughs> but I got accepted for being not right, like lol, whatever. <laughs> but I did get accepted to every art college that I tried for. And I went to Central St. Martins because that was my dream to go to Central St. Martins. Yes. But I dropped out of Central St. Martins because I was already doing well in my career as an indie musician. And I was yeah. involved in the queer nightclub scene, and so I was DJing at a club called Moonlighting on Greek Street, mm-hmm. and this was when Central Saint Martins was literally on the other side. <laughs> like there was a <laughs> wall, like you know, like dividing where Moonlighting is on Greek Street to so where Central Saint Martins is <laughs> on the, the Charing Cross Road. So yes. I'd go into college, and the classmates would they didn't understand why I was there because they already thought I was famous or whatever. <laughs> like in that in that sort of cult, like being photographed in ID and days. That's what counted as being famous or being notorious in some way. Yes. But um because I was classically trained in uh the piano and in sitar and in the voice of both areas. I'm very lucky because I grew up in London and I started clubbing at a really young age. And I also started crate digging vinyl because actually CDs were really expensive. Yeah, you could only really afford to get into a certain amount of bands. Whereas bands from the 70s and the 80s who are more experimental, all of that, vi- um, all of that <laughs> vinyl was as cheap as chips. So <laughs> yeah. I was able to, with my you know Saturday money. Um, afford and really find out about experimental music and I started working in secondhand record shops and stuff so Mm -hmm. I I, I was really able to form this huge vocabulary of music really really young and I recognize that that's been a massive privilege to growing up in London and Mm -hmm. I'm happy to hear that institutions especially educational institutions are starting to change or they're attempting to change because if they don't they're just going to be
1: left behind in the past you know exactly and and they're just I I learned so much when I graduated as in whilst I was at uni I would I would almost have to hide the fact that I was interested in different types of music and Mm. I joined this drum and bass klezmer band when I was in my second year and though they opened my my eyes to, to, to all this new music that I hadn't heard of. And I always enjoyed experimenting and doing different things, but that was always looked at as lesser, as something that, oh, you're maybe not good enough to pursue a fully solely classical career. Yeah. So you have to resort to something else. And that is not the case. That wasn't the reason why I was so interested in it. And, um, in, in a way, yeah, I graduated and I still felt I needed more to learn even more technique and more, you know, to become even better at my instruments. So I carried on and got a bursary for my master's degree. So I thought, in a way, I, I almost didn't want to go. I got it and then thought, oh no, I'm not. You had, you know, I did my final exam at the academy and I, I passed with the first with first class honours. But I listened back to the recital and went, I'm not good enough. I'm not. I don't want to pursue this anymore. And I nearly dropped out of, of doing any more. I thought, "Ooh, I want to become a journalist or an actress or do something different. And it was I, I have to thank my parents to push me again to say, look, that you have a place. Um, you know, we'll pay the difference of the bursary that was you know, still there and say, if, just just take it. And I have to say it was still good to carry on because learning the violin is such a difficult task i think it takes so many years to become proficient and um you need to put a lot a lot of hours in and so it was good to keep going but i i have to say those when i was in my master's i did experiment with different sounds with different things different um, um people that i would work with and when i graduated that's when i could fully be free and i tried to find interesting projects that were different that wouldn't be necessarily mean being a violin a soloist but also and not fitting into an orchestra so I as much as as humbling as an experience that it is playing in in an orchestra and making music with people next to you and following a vision it's it, you're still just a cog in a bigger machine and I couldn't just do that every day of my life so I've, I've dipped in and out of it and I've done some freelance work and I've met some wonderful people and um And then found an incredible orchestra which was founded by colleagues of mine we studied together at the academy and that's the london contemporary orchestra yeah amazing so that is just they obviously opened my mind to so many different musicians and collaborations and um types of music and made it made classical musicians contemporary
0: (laughs) absolutely absolutely which brings me on to my next question so you've built a reputation working some with some extraordinary artists, including Tom York, Johnny Greenwood, and Yonzi. What's been the most memorable collaborative experience? Well, I may,
1: I may take you up on that and say um, playing with, um, playing in, in like Tom York's latest album, playing within that in a, in a small chamber setting of the London Contemporary Orchestra. And
0: which one was that? Was that Suspiria?
1: Um, no, that was um uh, Today's Modern Boxes. Oh amazing Tomorrow's Modern sorry, tomorrow's yeah. see that <laughs> so that's tomorrow's Modern Boxes yeah. by Tom York. And um that was yeah, I mean Suspiria is Susperia No, wait, Anima. Anima is the short film they did for Netflix better. that is then yeah. taken from a few of those pieces from that oh. album. So yeah. those two that was the that was the collaboration and um with um with Yancey, we, we did a, another project with the LCO in and played at the Paris Philharmonie and then in, at the Barbican and and had him singing his own project um, with Alex Summers, um, Rice Boy Sleeps. Very ambient, relaxing, um, special music that was just, yeah, it's just wonderful to be part of that and such a humbling person as well. He's such a humble person. He's yeah, such he's a nice person. New. He's really, really lovely. And... Um, and yeah, I mean, the person that's really inspired me, I think, um, a few years back to then become my own artist was more um, youth, who's Martin Glover, the producer, who's been Killing Jokes bassist and yeah. was with, you know, working with Paul McCartney with his, yeah. his ambient project they had, The Fireman. So he, he's the one who took me under his wing and went, why aren't you an artist in your own right? Like, why don't you write your own music? And that's when this stifling world of classical music comes into place and showed that I was far too scared to do that because I thought I wasn't good enough because I hadn't studied all this composition and um, was comparing myself to Mozart, Tchaikovsky, Beethoven, and composers that lived 300 years ago that are in this respect, not relevant anymore to what composing means in the 21st century. So he really opened my eyes to that. He went, No, of course you can write. I'm like, No, I can't <laughs> He really like just inspired me to say, No, just just book a flight. Can you come to my studio in Spain? He's got an incredible studio for three days and we'll we'll write a few tracks and then, you know, take it from there because I met him because I improvised on some of his tracks and he went, Wow, I love your improvising. That's incredible. Um, really musical and it works with the music yeah so of course I was re-inspired to say okay if I can write something yeah let's do it and yeah he pushed me onto that road and and after that doing working with Elbow Guy Garvey as well who's who's also put some faith in me and done some arrangements together and you know collaborate with me on their on their last album as well that's amazing that has been that has been yeah that's been very inspiring so fantastic
0: so can you tell me where did your love of
1: technology begin? <laughs> Do you
0: love it? I don't know. Do you even love it? <laughs>
1: I'm I'm slightly scared of it. Okay. That's <laughs> honest, yeah. <laughs> I must say I've I've been thrown into the deep end a bit in the last few years. So when I suddenly when I wrote this album with with uh, youth with Martin, um that was just just over three years ago now. And i have to say before that i i was kind of fiddling about with technology but not really i never really i had a loop station and tried a few things but never really took it further i think i was too scared and so suddenly we wrote this album together this ambient neoclassical album which is a mix of synths and violin, bass, uh, strings, just that I I picked up the bass and and did a drone in the studio. I had my violin, my viola. I started using my voice. It was that freedom of expression of suddenly using everything I had at my disposal to make music. So I wrote all this and, yeah, the synths, he he provided the electronics. So he's a master at that. So, of course, he, he provided that side of it and I provided the organic instrumental side. And then the, the album was created. And then he went, well, you've got to perform it live now, don't you? <laughs> I'm thinking, how on earth am I going to do that? And that's when I that's when I, started getting my laptop together, get a proper computer, get Ableton installed, start buying plugins, start buying pedals. I mean, that came in, in, in sync with me touring with a few bands where I suddenly had to um, tweak the sound live with octave pedals delays um multi-effects and it was the same year um that it was i think 2017 when i started toying with this idea that i had to use it for for tours and for my for performing music i've written and i'm still learning i'm learning yes. so much every year and this year 2020 has been <laughs> far, yes faster. Well, of course, well, before we get to that, can you
0: talk about what some of your favourite pedals are?
1: Ooh, <laughs> well, I, I really, really love my, as simple as it is, I mean, my octave pedal. It's just has really opened worlds to be able to play all these different lines, even with my, you can get really granular low sounds when I put my, my um, octave viola on the octave pedal. It sounds so low. And then you don't just have that octave pedal, but of course tweak it with, you know, another um, and other pedals to to add to that effect. So maybe the multi-effects pedal way, add a little flanger, you add that, then you have the delay, you check which delay works the best. And you have your chain of pedals that work for different sounds. And, and I, I really like experimenting with that in an analog way, but I must say recently I had to downsize. In 2020, I've been wanting to do, well, we'll we'll come to it later, but I'm trying to rely mainly on my laptop and plugins that I've got in my laptop. I started downloading sound libraries and started expanding that vocabulary. Um, So it's it's finding a, a combination of what pedals work where. So it's not just, I don't think I have one favorite pedal. That one I love. I just love using it, but I haven't actually used it most recently yeah uh, for my performances because I ended up just using my octave instrument I've got instead and then use it the uh, I
0: one. yeah I love I love octave paddles as well when I when I put my sitar through it I sound <laughs> like I could be in Black Sabbath which pleases <laughs> me it really pleases me to understand that oh yeah you could you could play it in Black Sabbath should Aussie require a you know a basis but anyway
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it's that it's just produce such a huge different sound with your instrument and the octave pedal has a a high octave as well so you have both so you you play one note and of course you sound like three instruments one an octave lower one an octave high you can tweak it so it doesn't it's balanced and that's what I like the most about it because suddenly you can just make it sound much bigger and um yeah and then add some Oscillator to make it sound like a theremin or like a trumpet. <laughs> and do you think
0: a lot of that being scared of technology or being scared to write your own music? Do you yeah. think, in a way, that is related to your classical training and the totally. perfectionism?
1: Yeah, totally. It's, it's totally related. It it makes you just afraid of calling yourself a composer, even because <laughs> yeah. you think you cannot compare to all these people that put this this amount of study and work into it but it shouldn't be like that you're an artist you're creating so you need to find a balance of knowledge of course and you know and of 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 experimenting and of being curious with everyday sounds and and and, and your strengths and then use your strengths and convert them into your voice and so it's it's finding that which is which is tricky but it's it's quite nice when you finally realize that yeah, use, use your strengths. You know, it's the first time I was courageous enough to use my voice, like singing voice. And that is, it comes exactly to the same point as you were making. I always loved singing and I was in a choir when I was little. And then I studied jazz singing for about a year and a bit. And then I, w- I got to the Royal Academy of Music. I was really excited and In my second year asked, would I be able to study voice as a second instrument? Oh, do you have grade seven? I'm like, what? (laughs) Do you have these qualifications? Unless you have those, you cannot, uh, you know, it will not accept you into studying singing as a second instrument. And I thought, can I not just stand up and sing for you and you can tell me if you want me or not? I felt so crushed. I didn't ask anymore. I left it. Yeah. I felt, I just thought, what's the point? And um, and it really stopped me from that. And now I'm using it all the time and I love it. And people have really enjoyed hearing that voice as well as the violin because it's me. Yeah. It's just, it's just yeah. And you don't, I'm not as scared anymore as I was before of any judgment and think I use it. You I'm know? glad to hear it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I really went through it um, studying the sitar. They were really keen in India for me to just up sticks and become this virtuoso. Yeah, But I was already a DJ and involved in clubs and at an art college. And the idea of renouncing all of the earthly pleasures for this life of nundum in Delhi. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like, what were they thinking? But they really wanted me to be this virtuoso player. And I still could be if I wanted to, but I was always compelled to make music that sounded and reflected and looked like the kind of life that I lead to this very day. And it was very difficult when I turned the sitar electric, They were not happy with me. They were really, (laughs) really not happy with me. You know, I was reprimanded because I talked about how my sitar teacher was a senior disciple of Ravi Shankar. I was fully reprimanded for that, even though that was the truth. I was just, you know, they were really, really not happy. And then Instagram happened, and they all decided I was famous or whatever. So now I'm forgiven. Now, now I'm forgiven. And you know, my mum's a classically trained singer, and you know, a great critic of all things. And the fact that she has never slagged off my sitar playing, you know, and, and which is rare for her, you know, she's she's she always thought how I used it was really classy. It's like, well, it's the biggest critic in the world thinks I'm doing a good job then that's fine but yeah there's been still to this day a lot mm-hmm. of oddness from certain people so I understand all of that and it is really shocking it's shocking when you're conditioned to believe that things are scary and that things are yep. beyond you yes and um, I think that happens to a lot with women and technology which is mm-hmm. a big part of why I started which Yes. So in 2020 obviously yeah. with the lockdown <laughs> and the pandemic completely like decimating the the lives of live musicians
1: mm-hmm.
0: you began a live stream series can you tell me a little bit about this?
1: <laughs> yes, I I have to say 2020 focused me in a way because it gave me time to think what do I want to say and it I didn't have to run around playing tours with different groups which is very inspiring in itself but it became a bit much because it didn't give me that time and so I was at home and I thought ooh, do I have to jump on live stream like everybody seems to be doing I've got my album I haven't actually performed it that much my ambient neoclassical album I didn't have enough time to really go for it I did a launch I played it a couple of times but I didn't really have the time to organize more and um I thought, well, I don't want to do it. A live stream, it's not the same. Where's the magic? Where's the communication? Where's the message when you're in a in a in a concert hall and you make the atmosphere special for people to be part of this? And then together with my partner actually, suddenly the idea of live streams in nature came about. I thought, well, if I can't play to a real audience of people, like I want to play somewhere where there is Energy. There's, there's, there's energy I can bounce off from, and wh- which which also suits with the inspiration I had of writing the album, which is nature. Nature is, whoever says differently, <laughs> probably not quite aware of it. But nature is at the very core of all our inspiration. It's the the beauty of nature, the the fragility of nature, just everything about it. When you when you're in need of inspiration, you go for a walk in the park you go for a walk somewhere else you just it clears your head you suddenly realize why you're living why is why it's worth living <laughs> and, and 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 it's just going into nature and finding the right setting to play the music was inspiring in itself in an adventure and then realizing that I want to bring my audience and people into this with me so it wasn't trying to there are quite a lot of music videos and lots of musicians that go outdoors and just play outdoors and film it and a lot of the time it's quite fake a lot of the time it's oh look at me in this wonderful um, nature spot Mm -hmm. and and it's not integrated it's just a way of showing off and that was I didn't want to do that I wanted to go in to nature and fit into nature play the music that fits that landscape and then you know merge them as in you merge tradition and technology you merge nature and (laughs) music and all of that and so yeah I started this series and it became a a weekly series which was quite demanding and challenging and like I said before I had to downsize on my pedals and my equipment because I had to go find a spot and then set up everything run it with power So there's always a limitation to that and on how much you can power up. And basically, you know, rely on Ableton and my voice and my instrument, a small microphone that will pick up and loop things and then trigger samples, electronics and and do that within that space. So um, it was it was I was in the deep end of, of having to deal with all the Internet issues as well and everything else and trying to make it work and of course there were some live streams that started late or there was an issue between the pieces because I had no sound engineer on site I suddenly was running a concert all on my own relying on an internet connection and hoping that the sound would come out all right because there's only that much balance you can hear when you're hearing back what you're playing to what's actually coming out Um, And it was it was it was really great to do that. And that weekly series, I think, kept improving things you learn on the things that maybe didn't go as planned. But that was part of the fun and the excitement. And I think I picked up kind of a a, a fan base, a a little fan base like that really enjoyed those concerts every week and just kept developing them until the end of August, where I did my last one at the top of a mountain in Switzerland. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it went back to its origins that was where I that's what I take from inspiration like my music inspired by that landscape in Switzerland in those mountains where there's not many people and it's just really awe-inspiring <laughs> so that's where that live stream series ended and I decided after talking to people and audiences they didn't really care that it was, it was fully fully live what they cared about is the communication and that it was a live concert and that you, you know, it was good quality. So I took a step back with my, and discussed it with a, with a videographer that approached me and said, I really want to work with you. I want to take this to the next level. And that's Ben, Ben K Adams. He's, he's wonderful. He's such a generous, wonderful, creative person that's also opened my horizons when it comes to the visual side and he took the series and, and we, I started collaborating with him. And um, we are now doing one, one every month, which is filmed by three cameras or one moving camera. We're we, we again experimenting with the means of portraying the nature and where play, which has now gone up in quality. And also you, you don't have that, those errors that come into play, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But when you have to run a whole concert yourself, it's good that it's now come to a more polished, you know, place of these yeah. live streams that I do.
0: Now, they're absolutely beautiful. And what do you use to trigger all of your stuff on Ableton? Cause I've tried to zoom in on some of the, <laughs> the videos and go, what is she using? Um, uh, obviously I didn't succeed in trying to work it out, but yeah. Well,
1: well I, had, I, have a, I had a, a pedal ready that I, that I wanted to use which was the soft step. Yes, that is used by many musicians and it's, it's is that great the G- it's yeah, is that uh, the Keith, Keith McMillan, yeah, Keith McMillan Soster, but yeah. I, by the time I started the live streams I didn't have enough time to program it to, to see what would work best with it and I'd gotten used to this one here which is an Atom and that's so, one that okay. you're meant to use by hand so it's yeah. a MIDI controller that lights up and you're yeah. meant to use it by hand and not with your feet. Because it's it's quite small, the, the, yeah. the pedals. They're not the same. you're not But I got used to using it and thought, okay, I'm just going to start with this one.
0: Yeah.
1: Now I think I've gotten quite dexterous toes because yeah. I've got to be barefoot when I play and play those different, um, um, just trigger the different effects and the different loops and the pieces with that pedal. And, <laughs> and then um, that's something that in, in the darkness, it's great because it lights up really nicely. As soon mm. as it's a bit too light outdoors, yeah. you cannot see the colours anymore. So we'd have to find ways of shading it. Like there was just um and at the moment I'm I'm still thinking I'm probably gonna start using the soft step, but mm. also this one. So we'll we'll see. I'm I'm gonna yeah. see which one fits better, but I'd say <laughs> both are a good option.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean I've I've got a Keith McMillan soft step that yeah. I've been using for a lot of like sitar ambient stuff as well. And it is great, but sometimes I feel like I'm not sure whether I actually stepped on it or not. Or I don't know if that's because I've primarily performed in heels, um, which might not be the best. I don't know. I love performing in heels. Anyway, it's a completely different subject. But yeah. yeah well, no, I did really before big. as
1: well. I'd, use, yeah. I'd always have a, a certain amount of heel or shoe and yeah. performing. But as soon as I had to use this, I, I couldn't. Yeah. And it, it, the last live stream that you that you must have seen, which is in that forest where it was really filmed at the end of November. It was so cold. I was going to say, because you're rocking that
0: Alexandra Groover dress, (laughs) who I know, who's lovely. You are rocking that really beautiful Alexandra Groover dress, but it's freezing. As someone who's done a lot of outdoor, I I actually hate outdoor shoots in the winter because they're just freezing. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Congratulations for bearing
1: up. I mean, it is beautiful. <laughs> it really suited the piece. I was yeah. playing the pieces. And yeah, one of them, as we mentioned before, the piece by Roger Gula, which is, is, is just wonderful. The piece called Pale Blue Dot, which is about seeing the Earth from outer space. And that perspective you gain from the perspective the scientists and astronomers gained when they first saw that and realised that's that's Earth, a tiny little speck in, in, in the universe. <laughs> and um and so that really fitted that empty forest with the with the empty trees and the fallen leaves on the ground. And I think the way Ben filmed it as well made it quite eerie and quite it suited the music and everything. And I thought I have to be able to do this. I have to be able to pull this off. And so those little tricks I've got up my sleeve with with little heating pads that I'd put underneath my feet, but they didn't really do much. I think yeah. at the end of a performance, I couldn't feel my feet and my hands as well. I had to, I, yeah, I, I used these heating pads in a, in, in woolen mittens I had <laughs> around my hands to be able to play. Oh my God, that's really good. I'll remember that. Yeah,
0: I, I did a shoot in sub-zero temperatures in the in the basement of Tower Bridge. Oh wow. Yeah, that was was pretty yeah. I always find myself in those situations. I feel I feel like a lot of video artists think I'm filming something really challenge really yeah. challenging. So I know I'm gonna ask Bishy if she wants to be involved. So just, <laughs> just, you know it seems to always land up who who can we find who will accept this challenge. I know, I know who will ask. Yeah, Um, yeah. no, that live stream is absolutely beautiful. And I was wondering, is there a relationship to the locations you pick to the music that you play that month? And do you do it kind of guerrilla style? Like, I'm not gonna tell anyone or like, I mean, you know, I mean, this is on the podcast, like whatever, but do you literally just rock up and just do it kind of guerrilla style?
1: um instead of what as in instead of uh, applying for to... in, in, instead of
0: applying for like do you ha- do you have to ask anyone permission,
1: or... yeah, permission um i'd go for gorilla style good <laughs> that's what i like to hear because you you, you i i'd say I'd rather ask for forgiveness instead of permission right
0: <laughs> very good i like that
1: um i i think with quite of these few of these live streams um, there may have been places that it was restricted, yeah. and if I had asked for it i it would have been far too expensive to consider yeah. um, i didn 't think I did any harm to anyone doing that, and so we we're always you know careful with it as well with yeah. with the le- like with the place we 're not going to it 's not harmful to the environment in any way, and um, we 're also not blasting the whole concert on speakers after all so it's it 's quite quiet because i 'm just what you can hear live there is just the violin and my voice everything else of course is just being directly streamed from the program into the um into the inter- on yeah to the to the server so <laughs> um so it's quite inconspicuous and it's you can you can get away with things um and yeah i mean we do prepare it so that's where my partner i have to say my partner dan has been incredible throughout this because he's really I don't think I would have been able to do this without him or his support or his belief that this is possible. So when I said Oh, that's wonderful. He really he helped finding locations. He helps he he was the one that at the beginning of it said, This is possible. Of course you can do it. Let's find the right places. I was like, I don't want you to be cheesy. It's too difficult to do these these things outdoors. It's I, I won't be able to do it. And no, he went, Of course you can and we he literally just did that with me together I think lockdown was in in that way was good because we both had more time so we both could do this together and we both ride motorbikes so we both like going on to adventures and he said let's just go and scout places and see what we can do and yeah he'd make mood boards where we he'd help me with the visual aspect and go he'd listen to the pieces I wanted to play we'd group them into different moods and and you know um yeah these kind of yeah just what what I want to say with these pieces and found the right locations because he'd find them he'd listen to it on loop and find places and then we'd discuss it and say no this is better and then he'll be doing the practical side of things and go okay we need to also check where the sun goes down where this happens what's going to happen if it like the weather is bad of course that was yeah <laughs> but also like where do we set up and um we'd have to go and check the location as well so we it wasn't just turning up but actually making sure the place is works for a stream and um and where yeah where to do it from where the angle was needed and <laughs> it was just all this technical side of the visual side he, he really helped me with and he still helps me because as much Amazing. as as Ben comes and and records these beautiful concerts he, he wouldn't be able to do so if it wasn't for <laughs> you know Dan producing the whole thing in the background yeah. going okay this is the right place and always we work as a team the three Amazing. of us at the moment and it's it's a really good team I think it works well
0: <laughs> and people can find the catalogue of these live streams
1: on your YouTube channel which is um it's Violetta Vici official so <laughs> that is the YouTube channel and you can also find it on my website which is just again com, and there's links to all my live streams same on my Facebook page and Instagram as well I've got snippets of them that then link to the YouTube channel and my social media pages so yeah you can I think the best way the best way to keep in touch about the live streams it's is on my website there is a you can subscribe to the mailing list and then you know then then it's not about oh have I missed something on social media but You do get the updates and um, that's another thing. My YouTube channel, I neglected it so much, so much. I never thought it was that important. And um, I think my presence on Facebook, Instagram, I've really taken care of it. And I, I've built a fan base and YouTube is, is in a way the best place to watch these live streams or to watch longer concerts. I think that's where people go for to listen and to watch longer things. And so, yeah, I'm building that up now, and um it's 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 great if people get to see the live streams because I think I think they're i don't know they're, they're different to quite a lot of live streams, of yeah. live concerts out there, um because it's I feel like I didn't want to create anything that was just good good enough for two thousand and twenty <laughs> yeah. just because we couldn't leave the house doesn't mean that you should produce something that's lesser in quality so.
0: and there's a paypal link as well on your youtube license yes brilliant that
1: is right because it's it's a link for donations because we don't i'm not asking for tickets yet who knows but at the moment i'm not asking for tickets but i'm asking for people to leave a donation if they've enjoyed it and um the moment it's working i think quite a few people are used to just getting things for free so with with things. Working towards it being a lot of things being online, and most concerts that are going to be in future, say 2021, 22, 23, even when tours come back, I bet you that they're going to be live streamed as well. Like the concerts are going to have a live streamed audience that don't want to leave the house. Who knows? I mean, maybe it will fade into just being normal at some point, but there is a transition period where there's going to be both options and people are going to get more used to paying for things online. And at the moment, I feel like you cannot force them if you want to build a fan base. So that is the thing. In order to build a fan base, you can just give the option and people do take it when they really like it and appreciate your music and your work. And then once you've got a really big fan base, that's when you can go and make it ticketed because then people will have come to see you anyway in, in big concert halls and yeah absolutely (laughs) and so my last question
0: would be what are your hopes and dreams for 2021
1: (laughs) my hopes and dreams are first and foremost that tours and live concerts come back yeah i mean i i have a few tours pencilled of course some that were cancelled from last year and um one of them is the, the thing i'm most excited about is the My indie band I started working with a few years ago and started writing music with as well. We had quite a few festivals and tours booked in for this year and everything was cancelled. Like what we were looking forward to after quite a few years of working together was cancelled because of coronavirus. So we we now have a tour penciled in April. I'm not sure if that will be postponed once again. And then there is a, yeah, a tour with with another band steel ice band, i've been working with a little bit as well exploring I love folk, them. <laughs> the folk rock my folk yeah. rock fiddle and singing and it's been that's again been so inspiring because i go on stage and you know use up the pedals and sing and play and it's just i work with musicians that have been touring for so many years i mean <laughs> maddie the, the the main singer she is incredible she is she, she with her age, she's, she's touring three times a year. She's over 70 years old and she, her voice is incredible. Is that Maddie she Pryor? Is, yeah, Maddie Pryor. Yeah. So if you, if you ask me like who my idols are or, you know, women that have, have been so powerful to just inspire me, I think I would say it's, it's Maddie Pryor is definitely one of them to be touring at that age and sing that well. is it makes it just opened my horizons to go there's no age limit here and and that really opens up your your creativity when you don't limit yourself with with these silly things that get put into your head when you're younger yeah amen well <laughs> thank you so much violetta
0: and um i will be putting links into the show notes or links to violetta's website to her youtube to uh So, you can subscribe and watch all of her beautiful live streams. Thank you.
1: Thank you you very much. Bye, Bishi. Thank
0: you so much, Violetta, for being our guest this week. And thank you all for tuning in and subscribing. Thanks to the Racklab for all of their technical support on this podcast. You can find out more about Witch on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.com forward slash Witch. You can go to witch.com to find out news and updates and to sign up to our new newsletter. Until the next time, thanks.